What if I told you there was a drug dealer in the United States that was more powerful and far richer than Frank Lucas? You know, the drug dealer made famous by the film American Gangster. Frank Lucas says it right there in my passport. What if I told you this guy actually got away with it? The DEA calls him one of the biggest heroin and cocaine dealers in United States history with an operation spanning 21 states and supplying dealers throughout every region of the country. I present to you Frank Matthews, otherwise known as Black Caesar. Frank Matthews was born on February 13, 1944, in Durham, North Carolina. His mother died when he was four years old and he was raised by his aunt, who happened to be the wife of a Durham police lieutenant. He attended East End Elementary School, but dropped out in the seventh grade. Frank showed his ability to form organizations at a very young age by leading a gang that stole chickens from local tobacco farms when he was just 14 years old. In fact, when one of the farmers confronted Frank about this, Frank assaulted him with a brick and he was in turn arrested in October of 1960. He served a year for theft and assault at the Rally State Reformatory for Boys. After serving his sentence, Matthews moved to Philadelphia where he worked as a numbers writer. For those of you who don't know, a numbers writer is someone who takes bets in the numbers game. And the numbers game is a form of illegal gambling or lottery played in mostly poor and working class neighborhoods of the time. The game is played by a better trying to pick three digits that will match those that will be randomly drawn for the day. You see betting a number or participating in the numbers game was nearly as much a part of daily life as shopping and working. The neighborhood riders would come around to collect and write down the bets of housewives, businessmen, and bar patrons alike. At one point, there were an estimated 100,000 workers, and Frank was one of these guys, taking your bets and writing it down. About 8,000 people were arrested per year for operating the numbers game, and in 1963, Frank was also one of these people that were arrested. But he avoided conviction by agreeing to leave Philadelphia. Naturally, he made connections back in Philly that would shape the rest of his career. Connections like Major Coxon, members of the Black Mafia, and Spanish Raymond. These connections will prove to be pivotal in his career later on. But for now, Frank had to leave and he moved to New York City, where he continued the numbers game and also became a barber. By 1965, his aspirations for more led him to leave the numbers racket and he transitioned to heroin. Now let's pause for a second. 
Let's take a look at what was going on in the East Coast of the United States in the 1960s. According to Dr. Robert DuPont, who was the first director of the National Institute on Drug Abuse, there are three heroin epidemics that occurred in the United States. The first epidemic was from 1898 to 1914. Heroin was sold over the counter, mostly to rural, middle-aged females. The second epidemic started in the late 1960s, and the third is ongoing today. Frank Matthews had a large role in the second heroin epidemic that plagued the United States until 1978. At the time, the majority of wholesale heroin came from the Italian Mafia through their famed French connection. Frank attempted to partner with the Italian mob families, the Gambinos and Bananos, however both of the families turned him down. So from his days in the numbers game, back in Philly, he got in contact with Spanish Raymond Marquez, who then connected him with El Padrino. El Padrino was the New York Cuban Mafia godfather. Over time, the relationship expanded into a lucrative and expansive drug trafficking network. El Padrino was sending him large loads of cocaine and heroin straight from South America, completely getting around the Italians. And within a short year, Frank Matthews became one of the most major players in the New York drug business. Being as smart as he was, he realized the need for diversification. Frank would continuously seek new sources of narcotics and was willing to do business with anyone as long as the product was pure. By 1970, the IRS estimates that he earned over $10 million. Whoa. $10 million in 1970 is equal to about $67 million today. This guy just started out and he already made it. According to the DEA, Frank controlled the cutting, packing, and sale of heroin in every major East Coast city. He was a one-stop shop. In Brooklyn, he operated two huge drug mills he called the Ponderosa and the OK Corral. Both locations were heavily fortified and secured with walls reinforced with steel and concrete, protected by guards with machine guns. Besides controlling the retail sale of heroin, his organization also supplied other major dealers with multi-kilo shipments for up to $26,000 per kilo. And he was known to supply Philadelphia through Major Coxon, who then sold it to the Black Mafia. Frank at this point had made it. He was not shy about his newfound wealth. He created two companies that hoarded real estate all over the East Coast and the South. He owned a mansion in Staten Island and enjoyed $200,000 per day gambling binges in Vegas casinos. This is where he got his name, Black Caesar. Frank was taking multiple trips to Las Vegas with suitcases full of cash to have the money cleaned or laundered at casinos for a fee of about 18%. In 1971, Frank Matthews actually had a meeting for drug dealers. He actually invited drug dealers from all over the country. This meeting was in Atlanta, and all the major Hispanic and African American drug traffickers were there. The topic of the meeting was how to import heroin without the Italian Mafia. The DEA was aware of this meeting and started monitoring who was attending. The gathering of major drug dealers 
and traffickers throughout the U.S. was significant because it represented a shift or change in the nature of the drug business. It used to be the Italians controlled import and wholesale of narcotics and therefore controlled who could and could not advance in the drug trade. Now others were establishing themselves without the approval of the Italian mob. You see, it used to be the mafia that was the big fish behind the scenes and they made the African Americans get their hands dirty and do all the dealing on the streets. However, now the African Americans have taken control of their neighborhoods and they undercut the Italians completely. Frank clashed with the Black Mafia on Easter Sunday, 1972, in Atlantic City. The Black Mafia killed Tyrone Mr. Millionaire Palmer, Frank's main dealer in Philadelphia, at the club Harlem, packed with over 600 people. Many innocent bystanders were shot and five people were killed. However, no one was prosecuted for the crime and three of Frank's top lieutenants in the city were murdered. Later that year, Frank held another drug dealer summit in Las Vegas this time, at the Sands Hotel, during the Muhammad Ali-Jerry Quarry boxing match. Shortly after this meeting, police obtained a warrant to install a wiretap on an apartment rented by Matthews. Police were amazed to learn over the wire that he was operating in 21 states. Remember, Frank went from a numbers runner to drug kingpin in just a few short years. During a raid at one of his labs, the Ponderosa, investigators found a massive heroin packaging operation. The drug was cut with mannitol in a 32-gallon garbage can with a canoe oar used to stir. Cutting a drug is a way to dilute the drug with material less expensive than itself. In this case, mannitol, which is a type of sweetener, was used to do that. Doing this allows you to yield more profit from the raw drug per ounce. Black Caesar was then arrested at a Las Vegas airport in January of 1973. He was about to board a flight to attend Super Bowl VII. He ended up being charged with tax evasion and conspiracy to distribute heroin and cocaine. If convicted, he could face life in prison. A Las Vegas judge set his bail at $5 million because the prosecutors warned that Frank had cash stashed away in safe deposit boxes all over the country and would just take the money and run. So Frank had to be sent back to Brooklyn and his lawyer was able to convince the judge in Brooklyn to set the bail at $325,000 and he was free the very same day. One of the requirements was that he would check in weekly and he did do that until June 26 of 1973. After that, he got his things in order, got his cash, and vanished without a trace. With as much as $20 million. Black Caesar was 29 when he disappeared, and would be 68 today if he's still alive. But no one has heard from him or seen him anywhere. He actually got away with it.